There we go. First question is always the easiest. It's just, again, tell us who you are, tell us how old you are, and how long you've been going to the Boys and Girls Club. All right. So uh, my name is Rex. I'm 17 years old, and I've been going to the Boys and Girls Club for about um, a year now, um, a little more than that, I think. Well, the first, you know, the, at first it was kind of weird. Um, it had been a while since I had, like, since I had been the one going into a new place. Um, but I found that, like, all the kids and the staff were very um, welcoming. They were, you know, pretty happy to find someone new. And while I am one of the oldest people, like, it's still really easy to connect with everyone, regardless of what age they are. You know, especially with, like, the staff, they're very... Um, just welcoming and like open. Like even if you say the most ridiculous thing, they'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, interesting." But they won't like judge you for it or like you know tell you like you know that's bad. Don't do that. Um, I mean, unless it is actually bad. But you know, um, they won't like stifle growth. They won't um, stifle creativity. Yeah, I mean, I think that finding a way to express yourself is so, so important for teens. And I think that it's hard for a lot of teens because there's this um, expectation, right, that maybe the way that you're going to express your interests, your hobbies is just sports, right? Or, or just, you know, something else like that. And so really providing a lot of alternative ways for kids to really be able to show themselves and express themselves and having all those offerings, like whether it's the music and the arts and the theater and the sports um, and the debate club and chess, um, I think having all of those different alternatives to meet the needs of kids where they are is really, really important. Um, and not kind of trying to box any kid in into just expressing themselves in one way or another. I mean, as adults, we wouldn't want to be boxed in either. There's, It's never boring. Um, there's always something going on. There's just, there's always stuff that gets us engaged, active with each other, not just like separated into our little groups. Um, they are really always looking for ways to like help the kids like be more active with their you know internal processes so like you know having drawing exercises or like having little dance competitions in the rooms and stuff like that where you just like let the kids just go off and like have a bunch of fun because it's like just a nice you know a time to just express yourself and show what you like to do and I think, too, once we kind of figure out what those passions are, really helping a kid to hone in on those passions, if it's art, like how can we get them extra mentoring, extra tutoring around art, you know, maybe through an after school program and there's a, you know, a special art teacher that comes in or something like that, really to help grow that child's interest. So my name is Decca Knight, and I am a licensed professional counselor, a licensed professional school counselor, and a national certified counselor. Um, I've been in the field for a little over 15 years, and I've worked in a lot of different places around the Roaring Valley. I've worked in the school system for many years as a school counselor. I've worked in private practice. Um, I'm now working in a specialized program uh, along with uh, Roanoke Redevelopment and Housing Authority and HUD and Family Services, um, where I am working with individuals who are living in some of our housing developments. Um, I've worked with adults and children and families, uh, and I specialize in treating uh, complex trauma um, and things related to that, like anxiety and depression and working through uh, childhood abuse and things like that. 
I also run the uh, Roanoke Valley Trauma-Informed Community Network, which is a network of organizations working to make the Valley more trauma-informed. And we're part of a larger uh, collaboration across the state. There's actually uh, close to 30, we call ourselves Tickens, across the state that work to make education more trauma-informed, government, healthcare, law enforcement. And then I also run a parenting business. Um, and so I've been teaching parenting classes across the valley for a little over a decade. That's incredible. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but so much fun because I get to make my own schedule and do things I'm passionate about. And, and how important is it, whether it's play therapy, art, um, that kids find an outlet to express themselves and to, you know, find a voice to talk about anything particularly, but, but moreover, if, again, if they are experiencing some kind of trauma in their life. I just think it's so significant. And I, <laughs> I mean, as a future therapist, um, <laughs> I'd say that's probably one of the most important things you can do. Um, if you don't do that, it tends to get all, I mean, bottled up inside um, and comes out sideways in ways maybe you wouldn't want them to. Um, it it really, like, being able to, maybe not control, but to, like, have a safe way to um, express yourself and, um, like, show who you are, um, show what your feelings are, um, is really vital to, like, continued mental health, um, safety, stuff like that. On episode two, we are exploring the vital topic of youth mental health. Hear stories about the powerful impact, nurturing environments, community support, and programs that foster self-expression have on young minds. Episode two is sponsored by Cox Communications. Join us as we chat with local experts and Boys and Girls Club partners, Decca Knight, and hear from Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia CEO, Rebecca Meadows, Unit Director, Antonio Holland, Club Mentor, Brian Hancock, and Club Members, Xavian and Rex. Get ready to discover how Boys and Girls Club is making a difference, one young life at a time. Let's dive in. So as we've talked about throughout our, our podcast time together, um, that our mission is to help youth become caring, responsible, productive citizens. And as we often talk about, you have to serve the whole child to do that. And how can a child, how can we expect anyone to reach those things, our priority outcomes, the academic success, the character and leadership, the healthy lifestyles? If someone is struggling, and I think we all do at some point, struggling mentally and emotionally, it is really hard to focus on any of those other things. I'm Rebecca Meadows. I have the honor of being the CEO of Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia. So, you know, when we talk about serving the basic needs, right? Does this kid have food? Are they hungry? Because if they're hungry, they're probably not focusing either. Um, do they have shelter at home, right? Are, are they coming well-rested, well-fed, and prepared for the day? Mental health is just like that. You know, years ago, we didn't talk about it nearly as much. That conversation around serving those physical needs, I think, started much sooner than the conversation around serving the mental and emotional needs of youth. Um, but it's just as basic of a need. You know, thinking about the stigma around mental health is such an important part of what we do. 
And even if we can just break down that barrier and that um, kind of the falsehoods around that thought process that we see so much in our communities, um, even in people who have been exposed to mental health learning opportunities, deep down there, there is still a hesitation and a stigma. So one of the most important things we can do for our kids and what serves all of our children, breaking down the barrier and the stigma and the negative thought processes around mental health and receiving mental health care and services is something we strive to do for every child. Because everyone at some point in their life is gonna need to know that and understand it, whether it's for them or a loved one. Again, it's just part of the foundation of serving the whole youth. But as we talked about being trauma aware, that's a huge part of it too, is we strive for our staff to understand the things that affect children. So um, really what we know um, about trauma comes from the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which was a study that was done in the 1990s out in California. And uh, that study tracked individuals um, as adults who answered uh, questions about their childhood and things they went through, and then it tracked them long-term to see what the long-term impact um, of those traumas were during their childhood. Um, And we learned so much from that study, but the problem with that study is that it was done with individuals who had uh, good health insurance, were mostly from middle, middle, upper-class neighborhoods. And so the original data that we got from that study really doesn't... um, Um, really doesn't show us what happens across our nation, right, in different communities. It's really not reflective of that. How does that contribute to their, you know, especially if you're a a teenager, how does that contribute to their self-image, their mental health, their their sense of well-being? And how important is that is expression for kids who are coming here to the club. I think it helps on all levels. We're talking about literacy. We're talking about public speaking. We're talking about what it means to evolve with purpose and find out what your niche is. I mean, even if it's not music, um, these things can lead to other avenues in, 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 in building self-esteem. My name is Brian uh, Harvest Black Hancock. Black is spelled B-L-A-Q-U-E. I am uh, an artist, a spoken word a poet. Um, I am an artist in residence for Carillion Healing Arts. Um, I, I was a Boys and Girls Club staff, youth development uh, leader for three years. Um, I still volunteer here as well. I'm a writer and uh, I like to do projects and different things with uh, art and music. First, yeah, just to talk about the person that Brian is. He's intuitive, he's engaged, he's compassionate. And from a, a leadership standpoint, you love all of those things. But the other thing that he has that is just precious is he's willing, he's eager. Um, He shows up. He's positive. So, yeah, I I can't speak highly enough. You know, um, he's moved on in his career just recently to a great opportunity that really correlates his passions and his skills with mental health. Um, And we're really excited for him for that. But what's awesome is he uses his own life experiences and he brings all of that knowledge and understanding to our kids. Um, For myself personally, I wish... I had a place like this when I was a kid and had, I mean, I had mentors in my life, but um, for me growing up, it was more of the survival aspect of growing in a single parent environment. My mother, um, she uh, dealt with, uh, you know, not just trying to struggle to raise uh, me and my brother, but she also dealt with being, uh, you know, bipolar. and. 
dealing with uh, depression and, you know, having to work and figure out um, for myself some of the things that we were doing when there was times that she wasn't able to do. Now what we're seeing is that a lot of kids have those 10 aces, but a lot of them have even more than those 10 aces. So they have, um, you know, the childhood neglect. They have the substance use in their home. They may have parents with mental health issues. They may have physical um, abuse going on. They may have community violence. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Um, in one of our recent youth risk behavior surveys here um, in the city of Roanoke, uh, which we did in 2021, which looks at substance use um, and it looks at vaping, things like that with our youth. Uh, in 2021, we also added in some ACEs late questions. And we saw that almost half of our youth um, here in the Valley were living with somebody who struggled with mental illness or suicidal ideation. I like to use like a metaphor of like a like a coffee cup like if you have like you know if you go to starbucks and you get like the cup with a little lid on it and the lid isn't on right it'll like come spilling out like if it's on too much and it's stopped and then you shake it like this it'll come it'll explode everywhere at this point um in my life at this point i could probably like be able to help with a lot of guidance at this point Because you never know what's going on behind the curtains. Like, you never know what situation they have at home. Um, So our kids just have so many factors that are overwhelming them. And what we see is that a lot of kids show those things that are affecting them through their behaviors in school, right? Some of the kids may appear to be overtly anxious, right? We can look at the signs and say, hey, that kid is anxious, they're stressed out. But what I see with most kids is that it doesn't come across as straight anxiety, it comes across as anger, lashing out, or shutting down, right? So they go into that fight or flight kind of mode, or they go into that freeze mode. Like one time when my friend, he got angry and like, he was trying to like throw stuff and stuff. I calmed him down before like, it got to that escalation point. Um, I told him like, it's not worth it. Think about deep into the future. It's not gonna be worth it. Um, but if you just, you know, through the little through the hole that you're supposed to sit through and it comes out nice and you like enjoy your drink without it spilling all over you um so it's kind of like that like if you have yourself locked up in this little bottle and it gets you know battered and everything it'll just all come out eventually um but if you manage to just, like savor it and express it through a healthy medium then it's really delicious <laughs> I think that when you have a mentor or you have a structure, it goes a long way. It goes a long way to, you know, as far as uh, hand in hand with youth development. Things like, you know, music, journaling, um, poetry, um, drawing, definitely. Um, Just really anything, dancing, singing, all sorts of stuff that just make you feel like yourself. Um, that you aren't always holding back who you really are, um, like putting on a show, um, hiding yourself from people. Um, If you have just somewhere where you can show what you're really like, then it's really beneficial. You know, I find it necessary uh, as I get older um, to if there's something that I know um, to share that gift. Because, I mean, that's very, very important. I wish that I, I had this when I was younger. But, you know, if 
you know, it's important to impart those gifts if you have them to give. And this is a great place to start to do that. A lot of kids who have been through tough things, their brains are wired for protection um, rather than connection. So protection rather than connection is a big thing for these kids. So rightfully so, they close themselves off from adults because adults have harmed them. And so sometimes it takes an adult who's consistent with them for a long period of time, right, to show that they can begin to trust others. I'll, I'll be seeing him out at um, Boys and Girls Club a lot. Like, he, he'd catch me at the park sometimes. He saw me at one of my family's cookouts. He's a, he's a calm person. How do you think Mr. Antonio got to be so calm? Oh, no, actually. I was doing landscaping, and I got tired of when it rained or snowed, we were off of work, and I saw an ad for the Boys and Girls Club. So I just came in and applied and got the job. My name's Antonio. I'm the unit director here at the Ninth Street site. Well, I did it for seven years and then was gone for a while, and I've been back close to almost three now. Wow, so yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Um, I think it gives them a safe place. It makes them feel like they're, they have a voice, that um, they can find trust here, uh, friends, build social skills. So It's great, honestly, because I'd rather like be here on, during summertime than like just being in my house all summer. It makes me feel thankful because like... I know many kids that like just have to sit on the porch and then just wait for their parents to get home. I'm thankful to be at Boys and Girls Club, and I know almost all the kids here are. Man, X is, he's an amazing young man. I mean, he's gonna go far. He really, whatever he chooses to do. I mean, he puts his all into it. I mean, you know, he may fumble the ball sometimes, but if you talk to him, X, he bounces right back. I mean, there's, yeah, he's a great, great kid. They trust you. So, and, and like with X, I mean, he'll come talk to me about things that he don't talk to his parents about. So, and he knows that it goes no further than me and him. My name is Xavier, and I'm in sixth grade. I've been going to Boys and Girls Club my entire scholastic career. Does it help having someone to be able to talk to like that that isn't like... A parent or a teacher? Yes, it, it does a lot. I think the thing for me in having those really secure relationships is changing those attachment patterns. And what we actually know is that the brain begins to change the more um, healthy relationships that they have with adults. We actually call it therapeutic dosing. I pretty much grew up with my grandmother. I was a grandma's kid. I was always with my grandmother. Uh, she was a great lady. Well, I learned from my grandmother how to respect women. And so I try to talk to some of the young men because I sit and they, they tell me just about anything. I try to teach that to the young men, too. Definitely that and the whole, you know, you're behind the eight ball when you're born kind of thing, uh, giving them that story. Well, it was mostly from Ms. Shea and Miss Tiffany and Mr. Antonio. Like, they'd speak to me about this stuff if I, like, got angry. And then, like, I just learned from my mistakes from them. So therapeutic dosing, you don't have to be a therapist to do therapeutic dosing. Therapeutic dosing is when you have um, moments of true connection with somebody else um, that feels safe and that you feel protected and cared for, and that can begin to build new neural networks in your brain that can help to rewire your brain over time for safety. My dad played travel softball, so he was gone all the time. 
but I have a stepbrother that uh, I guess he taught me like, you know, how to be a man, what not to do. Um, he used to change my brakes on my car all the time. Then one day he was just like, no, get over here. And he made me change the brakes. So now I know how to change my own brakes on the car. But one day he asked me, because I was just hanging out with one of my cousins all the time. And he was like, Tony, where do you see yourself in five years? And I just looked at him and I was like, I don't know. And that's when I made the change. My cousin went off getting locked up and all that stuff. And I just went down the straight and narrow path. So... So there's been few times where like I'd be involved in a certain situation. He would tell me like what happened after like he got in those situations, like how stuff went downhill sometimes. It was Mr. Antonio's story where he got in trouble for at school. Usually I like to like learn. They'd tell me stuff from their past so like I can help with my future. Like, if I ever got in trouble, they'd, they'd tell me, like, what they did when they were a kid and, like, how to fix it, how they fixed it, and then I'd be able to work on it. And that's why we say, for instance, in counseling and therapy, you know, the most important thing is the relationship. Anything else we do is icing on the cake. It's the same thing for kids who need trusted adults. The most important thing is the relationship. I formed some great relationships. I started with the teens, and they were some great kids, and... They've grown up, and I still have relationships with them, and it just made me want to stick and help them. And if you have that solid relationship, then you can give kids consequences, teaching consequences, right, which is very different than punishment. But they have a better understanding of why they need to do things differently or how they need to change and how they need to grow if they have that really solid basis with um, a couple of trusted adults. For me, it feels good. Um, Like, Jameer, he's uh, one of the kids that used to come here. Great kid. Um, Just seeing him go through some of the things that I went through as a kid and giving him some advice on what not to do and maybe what to do. Uh, He's turned his life around. He's a great kid. I mean, he's working two jobs. He's trying to start a clothing line. So, I mean, it's great to see where he's what space he's in now. I also think that Unfortunately for a lot of our kids, trusted adults come in and out of their lives. And that's really sad for me. And I've seen it happen with so many kids and so many adults who had a lot of trauma. Um, You know, they may have a really great teacher for a year, right? Or they may have a really great mentor for two years. And my hope would be that somebody would be sticking with them, you know, all through middle school and high school. That's not always something that we can do. That's not always manageable. But we want them to know that they can have somebody that's going to stick around and have that person be that safe person for them long-term. Because as I said, we're kind of rewiring the brain for safety. We can let down our guard when we see that somebody sticks with us. Basically like being a good role model and being like a a great person in general. I could tell at first, cause like how wise he is now, like I listen to a lot of stuff he says. How did you become such a I don't I don't think an influence on some of these I don't kids. think anybody that really really knows me would say that cuz they find it hard to believe that this is what I do cuz um I was a bouncer for 13 years and uh I felt like that if I could deal with adults and get them to calm down why can't I do that with kids so 
they're probably used to a lot of people yelling at them all the time. I just talk to them like, you know, everyday people. And if you stick with them and talk to them every day, see how they're doing, stay involved in anything that they're doing in their life, they they grow on you and you grow on them. So, What are some of your heroes now that you're a little bit older? My mom and dad and Mr. Antonio, that's about it. We are here for the kids. We're here to brighten their day, make their future more brighter. Cause some of them don't have that at home. Um, we can be that. I uh, want them to strive to be the best that they can. Anything that you want to do, just put your mind to it and you can do it. Um, I think the second piece of that is you can have awareness all day, um, but if you don't have adults who can form healthy relationships with kids, then you can do every strategy, every type of therapy, every type of behavioral modification, and it's not going to make a difference unless you have adults who are fully present with kids and who hold space for kids and who understand kids developmentally um, and can meet them where they are and give them what they need. I had a lot going on here lately uh, with my dad. He has the whole cancer fighting all that and we didn't think he was going to make it, but I was coming to work still. I mean, because they, a lot of them have a lot of problems or issues that I never had as a kid. So being able to help them and work through it, it, it helps you a lot too. And I come to work because I know one of these kids is going to do something funny to make me laugh when I know I needed a laugh. So every day is different. Every day there's something funny going on, and I just enjoy coming here. It helps out a lot. You still want to be a football player when you grow up? Yes, sir, I do. I play football and basketball now. Um, it's going good because I've got offers from a few football teams in Roanoke and Lynchburg. At his age right now, he don't know it all, but sometimes he thinks he does. But, And I think that's where we step in and we give him a little guidance. And like you said, I'll give him some of my life experiences. So I, I told the story about me and my brother. We were not the closest because I see a lot of them and how they interact with each other. Um, you never know what's going to be a special relationship in your life. So my brother should have been my special relationship, but we wasn't the closest. And then my father asked me, you know, before I die, I want to see you two get along. So we start going down that path. And my brother got sick, and uh, he passed away. So <clears throat> I haven't really dealt with it, but <clears throat> I hate to see people when they're always at each other. And like I said, you never know. He could be that special light in your life. So I, I think it helps him a lot. I just want them all to know that the Boys and Girls Club is here for them. I love the kids. I love the club. Um, I wish we could get more people in here that that want to see these kids make a difference because they're probably going to be our future leaders. And you never know, they might be taking care of me when I'm old. So <laughs> uh, the, I was working another job as a community engagement specialist. But uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> not much community to engage. 
And so um, I was very grateful to find this opportunity here. And I started as uh, uh, doing management over at the Vinton location and then um, was moved here to the 9th Street location. And uh, it's just been here for three years doing the work and planning and doing programming for the kids here. This place is great, yet, like, they still have it so humble. Like, um, Mr. Bryant, he's he's a very cool person. He could have probably been, like, DJing at, like, one of the world's big top shows. But, like, he used to, like, invite some of his DJ friends and... He like teach us a, a lot about DJing and poems. I tend to like keep my feelings and thoughts to myself a lot, um, which you know sometimes avoids conflict. But often I can like have them like hanging on inside, and I need to figure out a way to like, get them out. Um, so I generally either write poetry or write music to try to like express that. They're, they're talking from a place of honesty and the things that they see that we normally don't. And um, it's, a, it's a healthy way of self-expression, I, I believe. We like write poems and like journal entries and stories. It helped it help with my handwriting a lot and like think outside the box a little more. And so first of all, I think that we need to look at ever, every behavior as a reflection of something going on underneath the surface, whether it's a skills deficit or not having a good relationship or connection with somebody or feeling overwhelmed about school, whatever it is. And then offering that space for kids to talk about that. Poems help me, like, sometimes I can't really say stuff to my parents because, like, they wouldn't, sometimes they won't listen because they might be helping my baby sister like led me to be able to say thank you to people like to my mom and dad I could write poems to them and so it, it, it breaks down those barriers because when you're speaking from your point of view and the things that you're seeing um, and you're reporting how you're feeling and you're recording it you know it it, it, it gives you this uh, fulfilling uh, genuine rapport that you're having and I think it's a great thing for after-school programs like, you know, Boys and Girls Club or any other kind of after-school program to do, too, is to have those groups um, where kids can just kind of check in. Because if you normalize the checking in and you normalize um, talking about how your day was, then it doesn't seem as overwhelming. And you may catch something that you wouldn't normally catch if you didn't do that. My job here has been to kind of like fuse those, uh, those elements of creating creative writing and the kids have taken to it, you know, we talk about it, you know, as far as journaling, uh, being a, an extension of therapy, you know, it was for me growing up, you know, so. Um, and so a lot of those mental health issues are going to creep up in those ways that we least expect it. But if we pay attention to it um, early on and don't discount any of those behaviors um, and try to have those trusted adults provide the safe space for the kids to express themselves, then I bet we're going to hear a lot more sometimes than we bargained for <laughs> um, if we provide that consistency for kids. I had great teachers in my life that, you know, gave me those outlets and now they're part of my life and they've opened up so many doors for me so I'm very grateful. It's very helpful because yeah. like sometimes if I get like a little irritated I'll just write it down. I'm pretty sure I could like write one because yeah. I had a lot on my mind today. It's very uh, very helpful most of the time it's 
Um, I feel like there are a lot more colors in in music than in words, so I prefer I prefer to do music, but sometimes it's really hard to like get the right like the right feeling. So I have like the feeling in my head, but it's really hard to like translate it into notes that you can play. Um, but it is the closest I can get most of the time. I, for myself, I've always felt like you know hip hop music and poetry and. They're, they're like stories from the disenfranchised or the underdogs. They're very relatable. Artists can tell you who they are, why they are, and why we should be listening to them right now. And so it's like, um, like I can think about the first time I listened to like a Notorious B.I.G. record when I was 13 years old. And, you know, I was kind of a heavy set nerdy kid, you know. And so I look at somebody like him and he's telling his uh, story and these cautionary tales of what it's like growing up in his uh, environment or Nas and and these people telling these relatable stories it made me want to tell more and ask myself why not me if they can do it as well and so it's important to pass that torch and have these genuine conversations I learn at school, but then I can learn like a lot more Boys and Girls Club and like they'd understand what I say. Instead of them like just teaching, teaching at school, they would listen back. Um, because the thing is, we don't necessarily hear what it's like to live in some of the environments that they do or what the pressures are of being themselves, you know, and sometimes the expectations that go along with those situations. We are living in an age where so many kids, they see the internet, they see these images of what is assumed to be success, but no meat and potatoes behind those things. And I think doing a lot of education for the kids in the early years, you know, when they're in elementary school, um, about ways that social media can be harmful. I think that's really important. I think a lot of kids do not get that at home. They do not get that at school. Um, and that's a conversation that we need to have with them. And the conversation needs to sound like, hey, we're not taking it away. We understand it's a huge part of your life. It's always been a part of your life. But let's talk about what it means if you post this. And let's talk about how that may impact your friends. And let's talk about how that may impact your jobs in the future. So it's essential to let kids know that they have to find their own mode and their own bubble to evolve with purpose with those bubbles and to make space for their own development because it's like you know they're like I gotta have the Gucci this I gotta have this um, Balenciaga I see it and stuff like that but you know my question has always been you know we take plenty of selfies what does a selfie of your inside say what does a selfie of your soul say how do you separate yourself and put yourself apart? We have more access of the internet, and you know sometimes it's not a good babysitter as far as like um, you know putting a kid right in front of a cell phone and saying, "Here, go at it." There is toxic stuff out there as well that we need to navigate and have genuine conversations about. And some parents, some people don't want to do that, but it's essential to the development of our youth. And then I think it's a lot harder for girls. It's a lot harder for girls that I've seen and the kids that I've worked with um, because they put so much of themselves into their image quite often that's portrayed you know, on social media. And um, a lot of times that type of communication that's going on on social media is something they're trying to live up to and then they feel depressed when they don't live up to it. 
And it's not about competition because we're all in competition with ourselves to be better than we what we were and to make those choices. So it's like you, you want to give them choices to see for themselves what makes them different, to evolve with purpose and, and to become productive citizens. So giving girls other sources to look at, just uh, other than social media, um, where they can see themselves, right, in a positive way. We have to have that balance because it's not a healthy balance for a lot of kids. We need to give them actual experiences of how it's different for them. I'm really supportive of some of the school systems that are now saying like in secondary, you know, like we're going to restrict the phone usage, you know, except for during cafeteria time in the hallway, you know, because I think it is just really, really getting out of hand. But I also understand that's the way kids communicate, you know, um, so you can't take it all away, right? You have to find that happy medium. Because uh, that was something I implemented in my, my room. Um, I, I, I would lock their phones up. I was like, we're here, we're going to tap in. It worked really well. Because the thing is, we, we have to tune out because and filter because some of that stuff out there is just bad for you. And so it's my job, and, you know, it's, it's led to different places uh, as far as, like, uh, my, um, my artisan residency with Carillion to uh, have these conversations to say, what's putting you apart? What, 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 what can you do to advance? You don't have to always continue to look around. You put your blinders on like, you know, like horse racing. You put your blinders on, you're running your race and find out what makes you different. Um, everyone, it's like everyone is friends. That's probably the main thing. Like there's just a lot of inclusion. Um, no one is really like an outcast. Um, everyone is involved. And I always tell, when I teach parenting classes, I always tell parents and I tell educators this too. If you're working with kids and you have a kid, in, let's say a teacher, that you have to call out in your class 40 times a day for their behavior. Okay, let's say it's a fourth grader. You call them out 40 times for their behavior. Do you also interact with them 40 times in a positive way? Probably not. <laughs> the equation is probably more like five and 40, right? So then that kid is going to begin to believe that um, those behaviors are the way that they get noticed. I know a, a lot of after school programs are very like, you know, you have to do this and this and this. And if you don't do those things, you'll get in trouble. And like, there is that to a certain degree, you know, there are rules, but it's for the most part, it's very like, you know, you're allowed to be you. Um, you know, do what you're supposed to do and have fun while doing it. Um, it's really like a place where you can be excited to be there. To have those friend conversations and to let them know that they have people that are here that they can trust is very, very important. And so it's important. Mental health is definitely important, especially at, at this developmental age um, of adolescence. To, to let them know that they're cared for. And sometimes some of the kids that we serve, they come from uh, different circumstances than our own. So it's important to be sensitive to those things and to be empathetic. I think all the time about a lot of the adults I work with now who have never really been recognized at all for their talents, like at all. And, you know, even to take a compliment for a lot of them is very, very difficult. And that's true for a lot of our kids. You know, they're, they're not seen a lot of times for the positive things that they have going on. They're just seen for their behaviors. And tell me about the talent show. So I was, like, kind of planning to not go. And then 
they were like, but don't like, surely you have, you know, stuff that you can do. Like, I was like, well, I don't know. So I went home and like talked to my family about it. And they're like, um, like, you know how to play the piano, you know how to draw, like, you know, poetry, like all this stuff that you could do instead of just like being shy about it. Um, So we really want to have what we call positive noticing as a much bigger part of the equation with kids. And what I mean by that is, again, if you're calling them out 40 times a day, can you notice them 40 times a day just for who they are? You know, like I noticed, you know, that you got new shoes on today. Tell me about where you got those. You know, I noticed you got a new haircut today. Um, I noticed that you were helping your sister when you um, came in after school today. Um, I noticed that you were working really hard on that math. You know, just notice, 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 because they don't get seen for who they are quite often kids just get seen for their behaviors. And so like for me, I think it's just important the kids find out what they're about and and, and make space to create, make space uh, for the things that you enjoy. These are great tools to help kids uh, with their imaginations and mental health. Those passions can open up other doors. I'm, I'm a testament to it almost reluctantly, like, tried to start looking for what I could play. And then I was like, well, actually, there is something that I, like, would like for people to hear, Um, something that I am proud of, that, like, if I could just, like, get over, like, the how scary it is to perform it in front of other people, I thought it could be really, um, really cool. I'll figure it out. (laughs) Okay, ready when you are. All right. Let's see. Hmm. Performing in front of other people. hard to play with shaking hands, but, you know. <laughs> this adds vibrato, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Piano vibrato. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I stopped messing up the notes, <laughs> then it wouldn't be an issue, but, you know. You got this. I got this. Okay. play you know multiple times a week so it's not like I had to practice it or anything like I already have it in my mind um so we had a piano in our house pretty much my whole life but like I've always like wanted to like press the keys on the piano it's been you know six years since I started playing so it took a while for me to get to this point and I think I probably wrote my first piece when I was I don't know 13 um and just kept going from there, learning, you know, learning new progressions, learning new bass lines. And, you know, now I can write, you know, write a full sonata um, and just, you know, play whatever I want. I'm always writing new songs, cause, you know, just whatever, whatever I'm feeling at the moment.
well, I'll ask them if I can bring my piano in. Um, and they're like, yes, please. And I don't think anyone, maybe a few of them knew that, like, you know, in the back of their minds that I played piano, but I'd never played it for anyone before, or, like shown them anything I'd written. So I think it might have come as a bit of a surprise to everyone who was there. first one is um, with an arpeggio bass line um, because I wanted to, it to have a kind of like lilting feeling to it because I'm very playful like that. The, the technical backstory is that I, I wanted to figure out what I should call it and so I looked up what the definitions of a bunch of different um, types of music are like preludes, sonatas, stuff like that. Um, and sonata was the closest I could find where they all have like a common theme. And the common theme in this one is that I wrote them for myself and then my two best friends. Um, so my movement is the first one, then the second one is for one of the friends, and the third one is for the other friend. And I just tried to capture my like the way I engaged with these people, the way I saw them um, as a piece of music that, that I wanted to make sure to incorporate in there to kind of reflect uh, their personalities and our relationship and stuff like that. As someone who like, really enjoys music and really, like once I started playing, I started thinking I could, like I can do whatever I want with this. Like I can, play whatever I want um, I don't have to like hold back so if I can just figure out how to use this instrument then I can do anything I mean it's um, it's empowering I would say you know there are some things that you can't really share easily, um, but I feel like, you know, I'm a kind of withdrawn person most of the time. Um, I feel like when I, when I can play, it definitely communicates more um, about like, who I am um, for someone who maybe wouldn't know otherwise, um, and maybe in a way that I wouldn't know how to vocalize. Like when you realize, oh, I know how to do this now. Like I learned how to do this, and I can like actually play this now. Um, it's like one of the most satisfying feelings when you finally like get something out. Being able to show myself when I otherwise wouldn't be able to is very, yeah, I guess empowering would be the word that I could find for that. It's 
That's the best way I can find to describe it. To be honest, I wasn't really paying attention to them while I was playing. Um, but afterwards, they all said it was really, like, they were just blown away. So I tried not to let that go to my head too much. So when we talk about the magic of the Boys and Girls Club, I think about so many different things. Um, first is people. I think we talked about that last year, that the people are what create the magic, whether it's the staff to the children and their relationships, staff to parents. And it really is the special thing. The impact of Brian's work, you know, I wish there was a great way to measure it. I like data. I like measurables. And, uh, you know, I think it's beyond anything we'll ever capture in data. Um, yeah, there's there's some things we capture there, but, you know, it's big. He has so much creative depth. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, on the outside, you would look at him and be like, oh, you know, I don't know. He looks like he might beat me up. But then, like, he opens his mouth and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you are, like, a just phenomenal, amazing, like, very thoughtful, um, very kind person. Like, he's an amazing poet. Um, he's very good at expressing his thoughts and feelings through words and poetry, especially slam poetry. And then just talking to him, um, it really, like, shows you that, you know, people can be whatever they want to be. And it comes down to just being genuine in, in those rooms, being genuine to support them. Everybody here has a champion in the room. He's just a really special, you know, individual. And when we talk about the magic of the club, people like Brian make that. I think it equips students with skills that maybe they'll use forever. Um, I mean, how many adult friends do you know that still journal as a way to to cope, um, to process? And by teaching those skills early, our goal is that it stays with them and that they find what that thing is for them. Like, he'd give me lectures about being kind and respectful. And then, I, at first, I was just like, okay, and then just go on with my day. But now, I, like, listen to him a lot more. Like, one time I got in trouble, anytime I got in trouble, I used to hate, like, he'd give these long lectures. But then, like, now that he's gone, I realize what he means. Everybody here is a leader. Um, they've been uh, picked to be here, and if you have been picked to be here, it comes with a lot of responsibility. It comes with um, uh, whatever your niche is, especially as a, a youth development leader, um, you're bringing so many skills to the table, and it's a beautiful thing. So it's important that the kids can identify with that and then be in sa a safe space where they can be themselves. And, and I, I, I wish, I wish, I wish I had that, but I'm fortunate that I'm able to give from my experiences and show them that, hey, you're loved, you have options. Sometimes it's not easy, but you're going to be okay, and we got you. The other thing, though, I think that's really special with Brian, and, and we have some other leaders like this, is through those opportunities, our kids know our staff care about them. But when somebody equips someone else with that level of skill, you know this person cares about you and they believe in you. 
he sees me, you know, he sees this. We're having these great conversations and he is spending his time, especially now, right? He doesn't work here. He comes on his own free time and does this. And so it just reinforces to the kids like, gosh, I'm important because these people care about me. And, uh, you know, that goes a long way for mental health and and self-esteem and feeling inspired. How did you get into all this? I mean, listening into, you know, music and everything else, but, you yeah. know, really to go further to get into spoken word, to, to write beyond, you know, just kind of hearing things and, 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 and making an art out of it. What, what kind of sparked your passion for that? How does that, how did that translate to here? I had great family members and mentors my entire life. Uh, I will say my aunt, she was the person to put my first journal in my hand, you know. And my mother, when she was in and out of treatment uh, growing up, um, you know, I was in a place where she was like, hey, I know you don't understand a lot about what's going on, but write about it. And so that was one thing. Um, I had my grandparents that always filled my life with music and said, hey, try this, check this out. So I was grateful for those opportunities. Um, I mean, one thing I always hear in every kid interview, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Miss Tiffany, Mr. Brian, Mr. Calvin, I want to come back here and do for other kids what yeah. they did for me. I mean, did you have that kind of moment when you started working here too? Where you're yeah, like, I know that uh, I had just great, great people in my life that you know stepped in and were showing me things and 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 I'm grateful for those people because they 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 poured into me it gave me the space to continue to be teachable because that's important as well I don't have it all but I've been gracious to have people like see something in me and give me those opportunities you know same as the job that I work now I was here you know and you know shout out to mr calvin he he looked at me and he said you're a great guy and i need you here um because also representation is important and so me being a a man of color and 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 coming with my mindset and and trying to teach um that showed something completely different for me it was more of a thing like man i wish i had this i have a chance to give that back I wish I had this because like when I come here and I'm grateful that they 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 treat me like family like the staff um some even some of the staff that have been here longer before me like sometimes I come here and I'm a big kid myself um I didn't have this growing up like it was really serious I'm talking about like electricity getting turned off we eating syrup sandwiches and doing homework by candlelight and you know trying to figure it out and you know mom mom is in and out of treatment i'm talking about survival like real like survival to a place of you know coming here growing up as growing up you know seeing these things and wishing i was like wow so i don't take any of it for granted but you know i got to start here and so many resources here this is diversity by the soul not by the numbers our stories are important our moments are important, you know. It, it, you know, numbers are cool and stuff like that. But people who are showing direction and, and not just taking up space—they are genuinely showing you something, and they're trying to talk to you from a place of understanding and knowing when to listen and being righteous in those moments. Those are important. 
so many beautiful people here. I learned so much while I was here. These past three years were so wonderful and the people on all levels, try not to cry right now, <laughs> to be honest. They have been beautiful. And this is the real deal. Like everybody that works here genuinely cares about the kids that they serve. And they, they, you know, we just do it. You know, we do it f for the kids. And, you know, I was like, I really wish I had that. So if I know something and I've got it, I want to give it back. And um, it's all in love. It's genuine love. So I will say that is a secret sauce. It's genuine love. And there's nothing in, in the world that I would not do. You know, there's nothing in the world because I, I know what it is. And I'm very humbled and grateful. Thank you for joining us on this incredible journey of The Magic Within, a podcast series by Boys and Girls Clubs of Southwest Virginia. We want to extend a special invitation to you, our listener. If you believe, as we do, that every child deserves a chance to shine and reach their full potential, please support our mission. Your contributions can make a profound impact, helping us continue to unlock the magic within each young person we serve. Visit our website at www.bgcswva.org to find out how you can get involved, donate, and volunteer. Together, we can create brighter futures for the youth across our region. And it's the human experience, whether it be the kids, um, the parents, the staff. Um, it's about you know meeting the needs and, and, and so if you have something that you want to give make sure that your heart is in the place to do so this series was created by will solari and emily pinkerton and edited and produced by will solari thank you to our podcast series sponsor p1 technologies and episode sponsor cox communications with additional support from branch group whistler plumbing and air safe house signs carmus pinnacle financial partners roanoke valley orthodontics New River Electrical, Dominion Risk Advisors, First Citizens Bank, Freedom First, and Member One Federal Credit Union. Thank you to our guests who shared their stories on this episode. Our theme music is titled Sonata for a Red Moon and was composed and performed by our very own 17-year-old club member, Rex. We appreciate you joining us. Until next time, keep believing in the magic within.